A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy, rich food and pure choice wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. The reproach of his people he will remove from the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, Behold our God to whom we looked to save us. This is the Lord for whom we looked. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. The word of the Lord. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil for you are at my side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I know how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed 
and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress. My God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet, my calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite the feast and, and, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there, not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet, and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we may know what is the hope that belongs to our call. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 through 18 is the verse that Holy Mother Church presents us with on this 28th Sunday of Ordinary Time as we continue to journey through the Gospel of St. Matthew and as we move nearer and nearer to the end of the liturgical year, which will be the 34th week, customarily the Feast of, of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, or Christ the King, we will hear the, we see the theme, we see the, the movement of the Gospel is presenting us with eschatological themes, endings, realities of climax, of, of climax of coming together, the culmination of events. And for the last couple of weeks now, we have been hearing Jesus engaging with the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, those who are authorized to be the leaders of the people, to guide them in the ways of the law of God, not only by their word, but also by their example. Of course, Jesus comes as the one that the Father has promised. This reality we see spoken to in the first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25. The imagery of the mountain, the summit experience of a mountain, always a very rich uh, symbol of the scriptures. It is on mountaintops that God has chosen to, to commune with, to engage with his people. We know how Moses ascended Mount Sinai. Jesus, Peter, James, and John atop Mount Tabor, the moment of transfiguration. And so it goes. It's believed that the mountain that Isaiah is referring to is Mount Zion, right outside the walls of the holy city, the ancient city of Jerusalem. But what does it speak to? It speaks to a future time, a time in which there shall be provided the best of everything in terms of what's needed to have sustenance, to to perdure in this world as we know it, but not just in this world as we know it, to move towards that which is beyond all telling, which no eye has seen, no ear heard, not even our imaginations can conceive of what has been prepared for us by the Lord. That kingdom which is at hand, but yet not yet fully realized. And this is the tension we all contend with. That reality of what has been, what is, and what is not yet fully realized. And yet we're being challenged by the Word of God today to consider to what extent are we hearing the call? Are we receiving the invitation of God? And with that invitation, to what extent are we acting in a manner that is to uh, make sure that we are not discovered in a way that is inappropriate for the occasion. We talk about dressing for the occasion. If you invited me to a pool party and I came dressed in this vesture that you see me in today, you would really feel embarrassed. You'd be, feel embarrassed for me and you would try to figure out how am I gonna talk to Father about the fact that he's not dressed adequately for this event. Well, you know, it's, and then I would probably, oh, I didn't realize that, uh, I was so, so, you know, it was, it's that kind of a situation. But what are we being, being told in this parable? This isn't just any 
banquet. This isn't just any wedding reception. This is a royal feast. And it's, not a, it's like we heard last week, and Jesus is continuing to have this conversation with the Pharisees and those who are the leaders of the time. This is an ongoing conversation, and it's not this time around. He's not asking for them to produce anything, right? Remember, they were supposed to give over the spoils, that the vineyard that they were given over to, to tend, they were supposed to, but they refused to do so. This time around, they're being invited to come and partake, come and feast. But... For whatever reason, some ignore the invitation. Some have other preoccupations, their business, their farm. And some have downright disdain for the king. And this king represents God the Father. The Son is Jesus, the one who brings the gift of salvation to the world. The humanity that the second person of the Holy Trinity has assumed is now wedded to heaven, to divinity. And this divinity, this nuptial union is consummated by the sacrifice. Notice the imagery, the fatted calves. Everything has been, has been prepared. Everything has been slaughtered. It is time to feast. So this isn't just a meal. It's also a sacrifice, which is always part and parcel to a banquet that entails love. We will hear later in this celebration, the heavenly chorus will sing the beautiful song, The King of Love, My Shepherd Is, based on Psalm 23, which is probably the most popular and beloved of all the psalms. We hear it so often, and yet it speaks and has unbelievable overtones of the Eucharist, of how the Lord guides us and brings us to those pastures of peace and calm by the waters of the living stream, the Holy Spirit saturating us with what is necessary for us to cooperate with the grace of God that the ongoing process of purification and sanctification goes forth. And as it continues to happen in us, what will it give way to? Glorification. We hear St. Paul today, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress my God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus to our God and Father, glory forever and ever. So what we are being invited to embrace is a realization that what we have received from the Lord, and we think about this garment because it seems somewhat troubling. Is it not troubling to hear how, like an appendix to the gospel, the king comes in and sees this man not properly adorned? And we say, well, how could he be held so, uh, how could he be treated so harshly, being cast out into the outer, outer, outer world, the darkness, which was the equivalent of saying he was cast into hell. In the Jewish tradition, he would have been Gehenna. That was their understanding of it, but cut off completely for all times, all eternity, from communion with God, union with God, which is everything. But for whatever reason, the authorities of the times, they have rejected Jesus. And not only did they reject Jesus, they reject the one who pre-announced him, John, Pope, uh, Saint, uh, John the Baptist, and before him, the prophets from ages past. This is where we see the imagery of the, of the parable. Messenger after messenger was sent to tell them of the coming feast. And there was a twofold dynamic when you invited someone to such an event. You'd go, first of all, to invite them, tell them it's going to happen. And then as things are almost ready and prepared, you go again and tell, okay, come, because that makes them have time to travel, to get there, everything, the choices, the foods, and drink. 
And in this feast, it's not the bread. It's not the bread that, that came down at the beckoning of Moses. No, this is the true bread come down from heaven. The feast of heaven and earth, in which all are welcome, all are invited. It shows us in, in miniature, this is a summary of salvation history. The chosen people, in various ways, rejected their call to, to be those emissaries, to be those ambassadors who brought this light, this revelation to the world, that the whole world might come in. There were different reasons for this. But now we see the age of the Messiah has come, Jesus coming into the temple area and having this discussion. They had problems with the way he was received by the people. He came in on the fold of an ass, on the fold of the donkey. Hosanna, Hosanna. They had problems with this. Hey, why? whose authority? Where is this coming from? They were trying to discredit Jesus time and time again. And what does Jesus do as he does? He's the revelation of the word. He is the eternal word. He exposes their hypocrisy, their arrogance, their selfishness, their obstinacy, their in or unwillingness to change their minds to repent. Even after seeing prostitutes and tax collectors at the preaching of John the Baptist, not only did they change their minds, their lifestyles were changed. They refused to believe in John and, of course, reject Jesus. So here we find ourselves. How many times have you and I been asked the question by our brothers and sisters in the Christian community outside of the church? But yet they ask, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you die today, are you certain that you're going to be in heaven, that you're going to heaven, that you will be accepted into heaven? And we sometimes feel uneasy when they tell us that. We don't know what that means sometimes. What is that? Well, it's a very real question. And it's a question that we have to answer. What will be the basis of one's entry into the kingdom? It's not enough just to have faith. It's not enough just to say, Lord, Lord, to cast out demons in his name. It's not enough just to say, well, we ate and drank together. You come to my house many times. I have gathered amongst the brothers and sisters of the community, of the kingdom. How is it that you're telling me you don't know me? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, in the end, Words, words will not be worth anything. What constitutes one's adornment, one's the garment that we have been given, the soul that God has clothed us with, that he's vested us with, that we must return to him, the soul created to the image and likeness of God, that must be adorned with deeds of charity, works of mercy, spiritual and corporal works of mercy, charity, is everything. The king of love can only be received with love. This is the mystery of the kingdom. We all fall short, but we are to be working towards this. And how do we work towards it? With the grace that God pours out upon us, an abundance of grace, munificence, great abundance. Nothing is, nothing is being held back. Everything is being put out there. And it's sufficient for each one of us to find our way and our place and to participate fully in this banquet. We have to be interested in and also set on drawing others in, inviting others in. Sometimes our words will be sufficient. Sometimes it's just by the way we carry ourselves will be sufficient. People will recognize the grace of God upon you 
being exhibited in the way you carry yourself and interact. That will be attractive. People will want to be with you. We see God is with you. I want to come with you. You see how the little ones went. <laughs> One even embraced me on the way up. God bless her. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. The good news is that there is a Savior and that I'm not him. Aren't you glad to know I'm not the Savior? But that there is a Savior who's above all of us and loving each one of us as we are, but so much so that he doesn't want to leave us where we are at. Yes, all are welcoming. Once we accept the invitation, once we come in, we now have the responsibility to cooperate with that grace of God that we are fully conformed to the mystery that we receive in word and sacrament. We must all look like the bridegroom who has laid down his life and in so doing, destroyed our death, restoring us to eternal life. Where in your heart, where in my heart am I still lacking? What am I holding on to? This man had faith. He was in the assembly. He was in the banquet hall. He was in the royal feast. But what he was lacking was the charity necessary to be fully recognized and in communion with love itself, who is God. We take courage in the words of St. Paul today. I know how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry of living in abundance and of being in need. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress. Indeed, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let us seize the opportunity today to see to it that not only our bodies our external bodies are adorned properly for the occasions that we enjoy so much. Like right now, we, the Saints game is about to commence. Everybody is properly adorned. They have all of their uh, trappings. But what about the soul? Does the soul have what's necessary once the body returns from whence it came and the soul returns from whence it came and was meant to be? Now, and forevermore. God love you.